We are Mike and Amanda, voice actors, co-founders of The VoiceOver School, and parents to our boys, Beck and Trace. Hello. Hi. Our road to success has been unconventional, uncharted, and unique. Built on a drive for achievement, resilience, courage, personal growth, and above all else, a commitment to lifelong learning. Grow with us as we talk with inspiring, creative, purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life. This is the Mike and Amanda Method. Intentional, yet, yet unconventional. We are vibrating high today as we speak with socially conscious entrepreneur Desiree Dupuy. A humanitarian, she uses her fundraising and marketing superpowers to change the world with Ruben Shoes, a charitable society that helps children in developing countries access education. She's amplifying the animal rights movement with her soon-to-be-launched eco-friendly vegan fashion brand, and her spiritual alignment and positive approach to life and business are endlessly inspiring. Welcome to the Mike and Amanda Method, Desiree Dupuy. So welcome, Desiree Dupuy. Oh my gosh, I'm in a live studio, podcast studio with Amanda and Mike. I am so super duper excited. And we just met. This is cool. Like I've, I've, you guys, you and Amanda have been dealing with each other, working with each other a little bit. So it's nice to finally meet you yes. down here. Desiree and I are in a mastermind together and right. it's been phenomenal. And your energy in the group is what made me just, I need to know this girl more. And I'm, I'm so excited to connect with you. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you for saying that. I think the universe brought us together. And yes, I've seen you on the gram. So it's nice to yeah. see you in real life, as they say. Yes. But uh, yeah. IRL. <laughs> I'm actually working with uh, Lisa as well on a, on a different project. Lisa, who's in the mastermind. Yeah, Lisa, yeah. who's who's running the mastermind. Bloom yes. Lisa, Lisa Van Rierick, the yeah. most amazing yeah. business coach yeah. and life coach. Yes. She's incredible. She was on the podcast yes. too. I think episode two or three. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. So Desiree, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. I have so many balls in the air right now, but I would call myself an entrepreneur, a very socially conscious, authentic, creative entrepreneur. Uh, right now, my main job is running the charity I co-founded with my best friend, Ruben Shoes Society, and cool. I'm managing all of our fundraising and marketing. I uh, also co-founded the Mastermind Burgundy with Lisa Van Rierick and running that, and I formerly ran... Uh, an insurance firm for life insurance and employee benefits. So I'm still partly doing some insurance business. Wow. Lots and on the go. And <laughs> about to launch my own vegan fashion brand. So, wow. yeah. Does that coincide at all with Ruben Shoes? Or It's actually completely separate. It's been a personal passion of mine, but I am going to find a way to integrate because it is mostly about shoes. So it will cool. integrate Ruben Shoes, but it's mostly about animals and animal rights. So there'll be an animal sanctuary part of that and supporting wow. animal rights. Awesome. So, that yeah. sounds phenomenal. So can you tell us about Ruben Shoes and what it is, what it's all about and how you got started in it? Yes. Well, the story starts with Ruben. <laughs> He's a real little boy. And uh, my when my best friend Kelly first, uh, she started sponsoring him through a program called World Vision. So when he was three, she got his little picture. I've heard of that. Yeah. Started, you know, just getting pictures and sending money every month to World Vision and sponsoring him. And mm. fast forward seven years when Ruben was 10, Kelly was actually going on vacation to the Dominican Republic and thought, hey, that's where Ruben lives. Like, I wonder if I could meet this boy that I've been sponsoring for the last seven years. Wow. Wow. And yes, so she documented that. That was a totally profound transfer transformational day she 
got to meet Ruben and spend Is there the a video of that? Yeah, there are original videos of her on the beach talking about going to meet Ruben. And yeah, this cool. was back in uh, 2012. So Wow. Yeah, and I mean, she had no idea that it would inspire this whole, like, we're now a registered charity, but um, basically what happened is she spent the day with him and she went to his home and everything just hit so close to home for her because, you know, we grew up in abundance. We grew up, we live in abundance here in Canada. We would mm-hmm. never have a lack of anything, running water or anything like that. And mm-hmm. um, in Ruben's home, you know, they didn't have running water, didn't have electricity. The earth, the mud was their their floor. Wow. Um, she took him out for lunch in a restaurant. It was his very first time in a restaurant. He didn't know what to do with the food. And <laughs> wow. um, just all wow. these things. She kept thinking like a 10-year-old boy's life in Canada versus his life as a 10-year-old boy in the Dominican Republic is just so completely different. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck out to her was she learned uh, all the children were running around in the village without any shoes. And she learned that if children don't have shoes in countries like the Dominican Republic, they can't go to school. Oh, hmm. Wow. So immediately, they just won't let them in. To yeah, the there's a it's a lot of health reasons like widespread illness, like things like Ebola and stuff like that. Okay. You know, mm. get spread more easily when you're walking on rubble road and your mm. feet get cut. Um, but it's also just a high standard. They require uniform, school supplies, backpack, uh, shoes. So, wow. and you think like education is the most predominant need for children mm. in poverty. Like, how can nations ever expect to break out of that cycle if it's people can't read or write, yeah. right? Mm. And it's just such a basic human need that we take for granted. Yeah. And so Kelly being, the, she's also an entrepreneur and mostly a humanitarian uh, and so touched by Ruben mm. uh, and his family that she came home and she came to me and told me everything about her trip and said, you know, like, what if I collected a couple hundred pairs of gently used shoes from mm. all of our friends and their kids who, you know, grow out of them so quickly, but they're still in such great condition and she had it all planned out. She's like, I'm going to collect a couple hundred pairs of shoes. I'm going to call it Ruben Shoes. And we'll send, you know, a couple hundred pairs of gently used shoes to the Dominican Republic. And wow. that's how it started just uh, over in Port Moody up Heritage Mountain in her townhouse. And we were so involved with the community that we literally probably put one Facebook post up. And within six months, we were shipping a container with 13,000 pairs of shoes to Whoa. the Dominican. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So crazy. So it was a force bigger than ourselves. And... So then what happened? So, yeah, I mean, I, mean, uh, I know there's so much to the story, but yeah. just like, what did Ruben say? So and- now he's 18 and Aww. he is such a remarkable person. We still keep in touch with him. She still sees him um, at least once or every other time that she goes down to the Dominican, you know, a couple times a year and we're still supporting him and his family. Um, but yeah, essentially what happened is like, we ended up going down, we ended up giving all the shoes. And since then we've sent, I think over 80,000 pairs of shoes around the world to seven different countries. Oh, wow. Wow. So we've continued with the shoes. Yeah. We, during the, I mentioned Ebola earlier, but during Mm -hmm. the Ebola outbreak a few years ago in Sierra Leone, we ended up sending a container of shoes to Sierra Leone to help prevent widespread illness like Ebola and help kids access education. But yeah, during one of the trips to the Dominican, we ended up meeting a woman who was running a private school. And she was trying to charge tuition to the kids to attend her school because there was no other school in the community. Mm. And she knew how important it was to provide education to these children. So she was running a small school, 24 students, and most of the kids were unable to pay tuition. Mm. So when we met her uh, during one of the first trips of giving shoes, she had told us her, her story. And actually, she told us the story of one little girl. Her name is Dashaline, And... Dashlene had just recently lost both of her parents. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, her dad died in a moto taxi accident and her mother died of cancer. Mm. And she was being cared for by her aunt. And the director of the school was telling us, you know, she was super upset because Dashalene was actually about to no longer be able to come to school because her aunt couldn't afford the moto taxi cost to send her to school. Wow. Mm. And we were like, this girl's four years old. She's just lost her parents. Aww. She so like absolutely needs to stay in school. And of course, with with the universe and everything, you know, right before we had gone on that trip, a family in Coquitlam locally here had said, if you ever start a sponsorship program like what Kelly was doing with Ruben, we would love to be involved. Mm. And we for were, the school? We didn't even know about the school. This was even okay. before we had gone on the trip. Wow. And we were like, no, 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 we're just, we're just sending some shoes. Like we're not yeah. doing anything more. And then. <laughs> Keep it simple. And then we met RS who was running the school and we met Dashalene and we were like, well. You met her. We, yeah. Wow. We were like, we know there's a family in Canada that would not only cover the cost of her moto taxi, but would also cover the cost of her tuition. And so that was the beginning of our Ruben Shoes education sponsorship program. So it's expanded. So yeah, so we ended up getting all 24 of the students at that small private school sponsored in our program, mostly by families in Canada. Wow. wow. And that school has now, we rebuilt it and we now have over 240 students at that school. So yeah, we've moved well beyond Shoes to actually running and operating an elementary school and now building, oh. uh, now we're building a secondary school down the road for all the kids because kids like Dashalene are now growing up, going to be 11, 12 years old and ah. they need to go to secondary school. So. Wow. And then what happens beyond that for them? Like, have you seen the impact in the community? We will, because we've only just been working with kids starting at four years old. Now, yeah. as they're growing up, we can see them. You know, one of our students, Maria, every time I see her, she's like, I'm going to be the first female president in the Dominican Republic you wow. know, of, my, of my country. So, you know, education is, yeah, it's academic, but it's also love, it's support, it's confidence, it's allowing people, children yeah. to believe that anything is possible for them. And so we see that impact. And then it also trans transcends into their parents' lives too, because now the kids are in school, the parents can also go out and, and make a living and create right. some economy for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so our goal is to, once we open the secondary school, is also to be able to provide trades programs and training. So actually help the kids be able to you know, get a job and, and contribute to their economy and, and help uplift them out of that cycle. How many people are involved with all this? Like besides you and Kelly? Yeah, well, primarily Kelly and myself. We have a third person that's been involved since the very beginning. Her name is Christy. She's now a part-time employee of Ruben Shoes. Uh, we have a small board of directors, six uh -huh. directors, and then all of our teachers and the director of our school in the Dominican. So that's incredible. Yes. <laughs> I've never met anyone like you before that has just such a big heart. And I, it's it's incredible. I just like don't have words for what you're doing. It's so amazing. I'm, I'm curious though, with all this um, service that you're providing, how has this changed life for you at home and with your family with with this going on in the background? It's such a great question. I think about you know, my life now and, and how like my travels to the Dominican Republic and running Ruben Shoes and it's made such a profound impact on my own life. You know, I think that the first half of, I just turned 40. So the first half of your life, I feel like you're figuring out yourself, figuring out your career, figuring out what you're doing. And really like, if you're lucky enough, the second half of your life is really about giving back and mm -hmm. how can you make an impact on this world and, and make a difference. And I've been blessed and lucky enough to really have fallen into this with Kelly. And um, I just, I see the world differently, right? I see the future of the world differently. I see mm. people differently. Um, 
within my own family and not much has been impacted because I'm just me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a husband or kids or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. it just, it gives me so much more purpose to to what I want to do with my life. And it's hard to just go back to menial things that don't matter because... Right. Because you're impacting on such a big scale around the world. And then, yeah. So what do, what do us Canadians who haven't, you know, gone and saved the world, like, yeah. <laughs> what, like, what, like that must be a little bit uh, frustrating at times, you just to see the ignorance. Cause I know that, you know, for me, I've been in survival mode for so long. I, it's, I'm just starting to now see past and how can I give back? So what do you, what do you see when you, when you, you know, walk down the street and you know that we're taking things for granted, but. You just want to yell at people? <laughs> yeah, you just want to shake them. You know, it's the total first world problems that yeah. people complain about. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, it's like one of those things where it's really hard to explain to somebody until they've actually lived it themselves. Mm-hmm. So we see tremendous change when people actually, we have, we've we've had sponsors now that are sponsoring students come and come into our school, visit and meet their sponsor student, and they will never be the same. Wow. So it really takes kind of having an experience, a personal experience for yourself or really opening up your heart to understand because it's hard it's hurtful yeah it's Mm -hmm. honestly for me it's crippling i bet it's i don't go to the dominican very often because it's unfathomable to me that Mm -hmm. people in our world are living the way that they're living in fact most of humans on this planet are living in conditions that we couldn't even bear you know like i said without running water without electricity without food um and I think it's hard to know that. So for me, that's why I'm just so driven to keep running the charity because I know that we can make an impact and I have to do something. Yeah. But I, I get that for day-to-day regular people with children, with husbands, it's hard to understand where to give back, how to give back. I think what makes us different is that Kelly saw a need and she just didn't come home and complain about it and throw her hands up in the air and be like, what can I do, right? Mm -hmm. Someone should do something about this. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Someone should really do something about this. This is unacceptable. Okay, by the way, I'm going to go back to watching TV or whatever. She actually was like, I'm someone. Yeah. I can do something. Hmm. It was never this grandiose idea to start or build a charity. Even if we ever only sent, you know, 100 pairs of shoes Mm -hmm. or that one first container at least it was something. Made a difference. Right? So I think people, if they're feeling overwhelmed, it's like, just do one thing. Mm-hmm. Just start with one thing, how you can help. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's, you know, the family down the road. I, there's so many caring people in the community. You see Christmas drives uh, um, right. over right. the holidays for families in need and things like that. And so I think most people want to get involved, can get involved. But, um, and then for us, it's our the biggest challenge is like, well, you're not giving back locally. And mm. I, oh, really? I just... Like, I that again to me is unfathomable as well. It's like we're all like citizens of the world. Yeah, like, and I feel you are giving back locally, and you are in many many ways. But yeah. the the one big way that just puts up a flag in my mind is you're giving the community the opportunity to help to help others. Yeah, and that's so huge. Like that's giving back because you're opening up an opportunity for someone to help another life. I mean, and mm-hmm. anyone that, that anyone that would say that and d- doesn't see that you know, is not worth listening to. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Then you just say, okay, well, thank you. What are you doing? And it turns out <laughs> yeah. they're probably not doing anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for saying that because the biggest support that we've gotten is from all of our local kids. And it's so inspiring hmm. to see 10-year-old kids in, you know, in Canada learning about children just like them and, you know, taking the shoes right off their feet and, and being sad and saying, what else can I do to help other kids, you know? Hmm. And, and they host lemonade stands or they give up their 
their birthday gifts um, to raise shoes or raise money for other kids just like them. So it is really inspiring wow. to see. It's, it's definitely hard to to show that to our kids um, without actually going there because you can show videos, you can mm-hmm. show pictures and stuff like that, and they don't quite get it. And not saying that that they don't have a place in their heart for these kids because we, we do we have talked about it, but um, it must be st- such a huge impact to be able to go there and see it. And then, you know, or hear the stories more and and then have these kids here. It does bring it to life uh, so much more when you're there in person. But we've had hundreds of kids just see one YouTube video and immediately Mm. be impacted. I need to I need to show my kids the if you have any videos that you can absolutely send us some links, links because, you know, sometimes my kids, yeah, they take things for granted. That's Mm -hmm. what. But we definitely have some shoes that could head your way. Yeah. (laughs) But uh also, but I just want them to to have awareness that yeah, it, this isn't. We're blessed yeah. beyond measure to have this, and um, but just yeah, like the the impact. Like well, I want, I I need to see. I need to open my eyes more to this issue. For sure. And I think it's grounding and humbling. Mm-hmm. So with with all this, like you kind of run the business and the financial end of things. Yeah. Um. Do you do you kind of just show people the story and hope that they can offer? Do you have like a business plan for this? How do you raise that kind of support and finance for such a cause like this? Yeah. I mean, people ask about fundraising and it's essentially, it's a sales job. You know, luckily I've been self-employed for I think 12 years now. And when I was running my insurance business, it's all hundred percent commission self-employed. So I've built up, it's all relationships. Um, But yeah, like for example, last year, I mean, with the build of our secondary school, we had to raise $400,000 to build the school and we That's not chump change. <laughs> it's not. And uh, we're at 245,000 right now. Wow. So we've done and the plan is there's various elements marketing, right? So we host several different events. Um we have our own proprietary uh, mini tough mutter event called Ruben's Ruckus that oh, helps cool. raise money and we get all the kids in, speaking of the kids, we get them involved and they can raise pledges and donations and they run in the race. Uh, we hosted a golf tournament where we were able to raise a net $50,000 towards wow. the school. Wow. Um, through that, I, I met a young man who had lost his father and uh, was in charge of his father's foundation and legacy. And one thing that was really profound to him was the library that they had at their home. And so mm. in our secondary school, he's contributing now. We're building a library in his father's name. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so his legacy will live on. Amazing. Um but yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a business. And I think that that's one of the misconceptions about charity is that it's it's not a business. Whereas, of course, it's a business. It's mm-hmm. it's a not-for-profit business where all of but our profits effort. and proceeds are going to a social cause. Right. But there's you need to have a, a business plan. You need to have salespeople like myself. You need to do, plan out all the marketing. On our mastermind call this morning, we were talking about social media and marketing, and hmm. we have many different platforms we use because we have to be with just two of us and now Christy part-time. It's like we've had to be so hmm. mindful of our time and wow. and making the most out of every hour that we had because for five, six years, we were running it just only on the side of our full-time insurance firm as well, right? Wow. So. Wow. It's, um, so are you mainly full time with Ruben Shoes now? Yeah. So 2019 was the first year that we were actual full time employees, and and our uh, insurance firm was acquired by two other local firms. Um, mm. So we have partners on our insurance uh, business, and so we are dedicated our time fully on Ruben Shoes as of 2019. And I will say, from the business perspective, because we just wrapped up our our year end. Um, last year, we, we brought in six hundred fifty thousand dollars to our cause, and wow. that is. 
more than every single year combined oh, wow. that we have raised. So once you got to focus your energy. You, yeah. Once we focus full-time, we are up $450,000 over our previous year. So wow. it's big money and um, it's a lot of money. But again, like I said, like 100% of it is going to our cause and the money that we raise is, is going to help kids. So so that, how how do you go about besides like the fundraising like do you how do you ask a company for money is there like what do you, is there like a knock 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 hey <laughs> or, or do, you, do you call like you have set up relationships already or yeah i mean and... it's always you know mining your own database so the relationships you already have or referrals like any business yeah. so right. we also have like we know our values we've identified you know our ideal clients so finding people who believe what we believe mm -hmm. so people that you know only want to just give back locally those aren't our people right yeah. we want people that think globally and mm -hmm. want to can act locally but believe in what we believe and Yes, it's just, it's attracting those people to us, hosting yeah. the events, asking for referrals, working with your centers of influences, influence, so like COIs. So we work with accountants and lawyers that help with estate planning. So they have their cl mm. their clients who want to give back, want to build a legacy, wow. believe in education, believe in helping children. So, um, and yeah, usually it's either an introduction or I'm cold calling people and it's it's really soft i'm a pretty right. like i'm not your usual yeah. sales person <laughs> yeah. right. but at the same time i'm not afraid to ask like you it's you don't always no if it, yeah. the answer is always no if, unless you ask right so yeah. and now i think um what i learned in selling insurance which is probably one of the hardest sales jobs you can ever have <laughs> um and now moving to a charity which is probably the second hardest job you could ever have <laughs> um but it's so much easier in quotes because it's not about me i'm mm -hmm. not trying to make money for myself mm -hmm. i'm trying it's all it when i get stuck in like oh, i'm scared to call this person or what are they going to think it's like right. it's not about me right it's about the kids yeah right and so you're the medium yeah i just think the... of like dasheline or maria yeah. or the twins all the twins at our school and 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 then that gets me out of my ego and out of myself because it, it, there is fears involved too when you're in a sales position like what are they going to think do they think i'm always asking them for money right do, right. Are they going to be avoiding my calls now, you know? <laughs> right. So how has your mindset played into it? Because I know you're high vibing. How does your your mindset and your spirituality play into your role with Ruben Shoes and just in life in general? Yeah, Ruben Shoes has been such a testament to my belief in spirituality and guidance. That this, this entity is so much bigger than us. It's been divinely guided the whole entire time. We would have to do a whole other podcast to tell you all the different things and stars that had to align to get mm. to where we are today. But my mindset is, is uh, I'm all about like personal development, self-growth. I have to always focus on positivity, you know, the numbers like sales, right? You And if you want to close one person, you have to call probably like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. So it's dealing with a lot of rejection, mm. but it's just a numbers game. Sometimes when I'm cold calling, I'm like, okay, I've had eight no's. So now it's like, I'm getting really getting close yeah. to the yes. Right. And, yeah. Or like when you're door knocking, cause I'll go and hand out flyers and, wow. and it's again, it's like stepping out of your ego and knowing that what you're doing is all just divinely guided, mm. connecting to your spirit mm. and being conscious of where your fears are in terms of your ego and really um, stepping into alignment with spirit. So I have a friend of mine who is also a, a spiritual business coach and she talks a lot about inspired action. Her name's Heather White. And 
Um, we know Heather. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so sometimes when I get stuck, and because I used to think, you know, I need to be like calling so many people or knocking on so many doors and my pipeline is is getting empty. And, and she talks about like playfulness and the energy mm. and, you know, like, Go and have fun, and while you're while you're while you're resting and having fun, sometimes those creative, inspired ideas come to mind, and it's I like, agree. oh shoot, that person! I just saw them at the mall the other day. Yeah, I need to call them, and then you call them, and then like, oh, we're heading to the Dominican Republic next week, you know? And it's like, just what? like, yes, <laughs> like those types of inspired action yeah. is kind of what I live for, and so I set my morning up with intention and enough space in my calendar mm. for me to navigate you know, oh, I got this inspired idea that I need to go to the chiropractor today. And sure enough, I go to the chiropractor and I meet someone I haven't seen in three months. And she knows somebody that's raising hundreds of millions of dollars for this international energy project. So wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think sales, business success is all about your mindset and setting yourself up. It, yeah. I, I believe that with a mindset, focusing on, on an elevated state yeah. of mindset, you can accomplish so much more with those like intuitive hits then, then being in a lower vibration and just like trying to make matter, move matter and like, I got to make those calls and I got to exactly. do this, this. When you, you know, kind of allow yourself to, to be inspired and then take those actions. It's huge, huge difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same as, uh, relates to voiceover as well in so many ways, like with every audition you do, <laughs> yeah. every audition that you're rejected for, you're getting closer to a, a job. And it is, we call it too, a numbers game. Yeah. And he even has like, a big spreadsheet on like yeah. auditioning and, and percentages numbers and, of, you know, conversions and yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like that part. I like the numbers and stats and stuff. It's a fine balance. You know, you're seeing those memes on, on social media where it like crosses out the hustle and it just says align. Right. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a fine balance because it doesn't mean just like sit on your couch and wait for your phone to ring. <laughs> yeah. But it also doesn't mean pound the pavement in all the wrong spots for 14 hours a day. And I mean, you, I think that part that way would be more successful than sitting on your couch. Yeah. Right. But you also don't have to drill yourself to the bone because instead of knocking on a hundred doors, what if I find the 10 doors that have the most things in common with me that I know have the, the values that align with my values that believe in what I believe. And then out of those 10 doors, my success rate is going to be a lot better than I don't have to knock on another 90 doors because none of those people are aligned with, you know, with me. And right. so I think it's, again, it's like that fine balance of, yeah. of putting in the work, but also creating space to, for the inspiration and to be aligned. That's huge. So cool. Yeah. Can you tell us about your new vegan line and what is happening with that? Yes. I'm so excited. So I stopped eating meat in 2008 Amazing. after reading a book called Skinny Bitch. It, I have that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Skinny Bitch in the Kitchen. There yeah. is. Yeah. So I'm not much of a cook, but um, I did read Skinny Bitch. Actually, my coworker at the job I was working at, uh, we were getting co she was getting coffee one day and and she's like, oh, I'm off milk. I'm not putting coffee or milk in my coffee. And I was like, oh, why? I was really into nutrition. I've always been interested in nutrition. And and she said, well, I read this book, Skinny Bitch, and apparently there's all these hormones and antibiotics and disgusting things in, in milk, so I'm not drinking anymore. I'm like, oh, well, this sounds like a book that I definitely need to read. And I wasn't expecting it. Like, I was a meat eater, you know, raised on meat and potatoes and yeah. typical, too. typical <laughs> BC family, right? Um and, but like I said, I was always interested in nutrition because it's the fuel for your body. Like, how can you be successful at life if you don't have a functioning, fully functioning body? And that comes mm -hmm. down from the food that you eat. So 
Anyways, of course, I read the book, and one of the chapters in the book is all it's all about slaughterhouses and mm. very graphic. And mm. it was the first time in my life that I made the connection of like the chicken or the steak on my plate to a living, breathing, conscious, loving animal that has feelings, that's intelligent, that is really no different than your dog or your cat. Mm. And it's just the way that we perceive them. And so literally from that moment on, and thankfully my best friend Kelly was with me when I was reading that book. We were on, on vacation in Hawaii. And she actually read like three pages of the book. She didn't even, she didn't care about nutrition at all. She was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't care about that. I don't care about, you know, antibiotics. I don't care about aspartame, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, but she cared about animals and is a huge animal lover. And so when I got to that part, I said, hey, you should read this part in the book. I bet you, if you read this, you'll never eat meat again. And I went and had a shower and I came out and she was bawling her eyes out. She got sick in the bathroom and neither of us have eaten meat since. Wow. Wow. So I share that because it's, it's been 12 years and it's like a fundamental value that I value animals and their lives just Mm -hmm. as much as I value my own life. And so Mm -hmm. I don't want to eat them. I don't want to wear them. And I want to give them a voice because they don't have a voice to speak for themselves. And what I found as a vegan is fashion is very difficult. Because I like to wear nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want nice shoes, they're usually made of leather or suede. If you want to, I have a terrible time finding a nice winter coat because all the nice dress coats are made of wool fur. or yeah. fur. Yeah. And, um, and I haven't been able to find a product for myself that I would want to wear. And nowadays, sustainability is on the forefront too. And right. so the fake vegan shoes, which are now um, catapulting off of this plant-based movement, the reason they're now labeled as vegan is because they're plastic and they're the fake, right? Mm. Like, I think like my main store I shop at is Spring, and Spring never had vegan on their labels. They were just the cheap knockoff version of all that, yeah, I know. right? And, and now you go into their store and, oh, it's vegan. vegan. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's vegan because it's just fake. So Marketing. the point is that it's all like PU, PLU, polyutherin. It's all like petroleum, really mm. harsh uh, material that are now not good for the environment. Mm. And so... That's the inspiration behind my brand is I'm creating wow. a line of vegan shoes that will be eco-friendly, plant-based material, but also fashionable and for people like myself and people that care about the environment and, of course, animals that would want to wear. And uh, my vision is to have it become a lifestyle brand like Lululemon represents health and fitness and wellness. Mm. My company, I can't share the name yet because it's going through trademark right now, will be a uh, representation symbol of the values of that veganism bring because really it's a movement based on love. It just means that we're, we we love all beings equally and and cannot stand. Like it physically hurts me to think about the animals and the processes mm-hmm. they go to for human consumption. So yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I'm taking it under my own hands and creating my own brand and my own products and I hope that I can share that soon with you and do you have a a date a potential launch date for that it will be summer yeah wow that's yeah really soon yeah is are they like casual shoes just yeah casual slice uh dress shoes so similar like little ankle booties like nice nice shoes i'll start with with boots with a small heel and then go into women's heels and dress shoes because it's easy to find you know like tom shoes yeah or sneakers or like whatever but Think yeah. of like your nice, usually leather type of, of boot right. or shoe yeah. um, that will be made sustainably and ethically. That's so yeah. exciting. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. So do you have like a big launch planned? I'm working on that right now. That's part of the one of the balls that's in the air is the marketing plan for the launch. I'm still in product 
sampling and testing mode. So once I get products and inventory, then my focus will be on on the la- on the launch. But I'm a marketing person by nature, so nice. I feel like the biggest hurdle for me. I've had this idea for over three years, and the biggest hurdle for me is just knowing where. Like, how do I manufacture a shoe? And I had so wow. many no's. It's going to be hard. It's so expensive. Mm. Blah, blah 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 blah. Of course. And it derailed me. And so now I'm like, you know what? This is like talking about inspiration and spirituality. Like mm-hmm. this is a voice inside of me that won't show up, shut up. It's a baby that needs to be birthed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and ultimately, thank you, thanks to the internet, I've found so much information and been able to find manufacturers and private white label. And it's so cool. not as hard as people made I, it seem to be. And yeah. So in terms of your question about the marketing, it's it's in the works. But I think that that will be the the easy part now with social and influencers and yeah. sending my shoes out to all of the main, like Stella McCartney's and Taylor Swift. Yeah. And, um, well, all the vegan celebrities All the vegan now. celebrities. Yeah, and it's actually the it. younger generation too that are really forward on this movement. So yeah. Well, you got to find that like doing something different, you're going to be met with a lot of resistance. Like, no, that can't be done because it's never been done. Yeah. Or it's like, we don't think it can be done. You know, so, so that's, you got to kind of find your own power, your own voice and direction and stuff, which is incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it is easy to just get discouraged. And when people tell you it's going to be hard or expensive and you don't know where to go or where to turn, like I said, it's been three and a half years since I've already had this idea. And because the move, and back then, like even three years ago, it wasn't as strong. It's really picked up in the last like six, 12, 18 months. And now I'm just realizing like, if I don't do this, it's everyone else is going to be doing it. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to be living with regret. It's so like the big magic. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. if you read that book, The no. Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, oh. it's once you come up with the idea, if you don't act on it, it's yeah. in the universe and someone's going to. You brought s- it down yeah. into, the, into, Absolutely. You know, into form. Yeah. You got to take, it's your, yeah. yours to take action did, on Did yeah. you listen to the podcast with uh, Sarah Blakely and Lewis Howes? I did. Thank you for sending that to me. Yeah. It reminded me of you. Absolutely. I feel like you're in those stages now where you're in the the, the market, you're getting the, the patent and the trademark and yeah. it's going to be huge. It's so funny because I listen, um, we talked about the NPR How I Built This mm. podcast and yeah. that's my, my favorite podcast, How I Built This, because they profile really high profile uh, companies and businesses cool. and Sarah Blakely was on that podcast oh. and I listened to it like two years ago uh, yeah. the story of how she founded Spanx and I kind of forgot about it and so when you sent me the Lewis Howes one I'm like oh I already listened to Sarah Blakely's story but I'm like well you know what it's a different one maybe I'll like years later. Fr- and I was like it's so crazy because it's like the right thing at the right time yeah. like everything she was saying I was like whoa this is so relevant (laughs) to where I'm at right now and so interesting yeah that was that's been my favorite podcast I've listened to all like in the last 12 months I'm so glad I sent it yeah thank you (laughs) good job (laughs) so what is the biggest misconception about being vegan because I know it's I know it's hard to stand on the platform and and be that voice because there's so many naysayers and you know, people that have opinions. And calling it a fad and whatnot because it is gaining traction. Absolutely. You know? I mean, when I stopped eating meat in 2008, my parents were like, oh, it's just a fad. Like six months like later, you'll be eating meat again. And obviously, I've never, ever, ever eaten meat since then. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest mis- miscommun- misconception, at least for myself personally, is people are are believe that you're judging them like mm. it's like the the misconception is judgment like they think like as a as a meat eater as a non-vegan that the that vegans are judging them or and I know I guess the reason it's a misconception because there are a lot of really hardcore vegans that do make 
people feel bad for their choices. Right. But from my personal standpoint, I'm not here to judge anybody. Mm. I don't judge you or your choices. I want your choices to be well-educated and conscious. Mm. And my job is to share information and educate you. Um, but I'm not here to judge you. Mm. And so I think people feel judged and that's a big misconception. And then of course, the other one is the lack of nutrition that we're getting. And nobody's been more interested in your diet until you tell them that you're plant-based. And right. I love mm. the term plant-based by the way, because yeah. vegan is so eliminating. People are like, oh, you can't eat that. You can't eat that. You can't eat milk. Oh, can you eat those? I don't think you can eat those. And it's like, oh my gosh, but whereas plant-based, it starts off like a positive foundation. It's like, yeah. well, I'm plant-based. And then especially for people just starting, like if you want to have, you know, a cookie and it has milk in it, then don't feel shamed about that. You know mm. what I mean? Just start plant-based as your foundation. Yeah. And then, you know, add, maybe add the maybe you add stuff to that once a week or twice a week or whatever it is, but vegan is just so like negative. And, yeah. I've actually, I've never thought of it like that yeah. to, to separate it. So yeah, plant-based is definitely a more positive spin mm-hmm. on it. And have you have you had people like not invite you over for dinner because they don't know? I, I, I swear, I swear that social happened awkwardness. To us. Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what to feed you. So you know what's funny though? Like nobody like it's just interesting because I don't usually bring it up. Like mm. people have met me I'm like, oh, you're vegan. Like you're not normal. Like I'm, you haven't told me this by now or whatever. I'm like, well. <laughs> It's because it's my own personal health choice, right? Or or lifestyle choice. And um, I think people don't not invite me for dinner, but yeah, they're very, again, this day and age, like right now at this moment, it's so much more at the forefront. Even like a year ago, people were like, people just didn't know even what it was. Right. Like, do you eat chicken? Are you, you're vegan. Do you eat chicken? It's like- Does that mean you only eat chicken? Oh, or like um, plants. Or I only eat plants. Oh, do you eat shrimp? Plants. Like I only eat plants, yeah. but- um, But anyways, now that, you know, like change makers and there's all these movies, there's all this profile around it. So people are much more educated and all the Netflix videos. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, I don't think that people are worried about having me over for dinner, but everyone, nobody's more concerned about your diet than when you're only eating plants, which is so bizarre to me. Yeah. Well, it's fun. um, Funny because I, I do some bodybuilding and the people I train with and the industry in general is, you know, pretty meat base and stuff like that. But, um, recently I've, um, I've been vegan less than I've been vegetarian. I haven't eaten meat in probably seven, seven years, Oh wow, something like that. So it's been a while since I've had meat, but switching to vegan, um, my trainer, you know, kind of calls me the plant man and stuff like that now. <laughs> and I, you know, like, like I take no offense to it. Yeah. Um, but so we actually went and did the, the testing, you know, where they test the body fat and the weight right, yeah. and, um, and whatnot. And, since switching to vegan, um, I actually, last time I did this, I, I'm doing a physique show. Last time I did this, as my body fat would drop, so would my muscle mass. Right. And I, I was having like eggs and um, ch- uh, curds, like cheese oh, products cheese. and stuff yeah. like that. And so my, my muscle would always drop with my fat and my weight. This time, uh, after a nine-week session um, between tests, my muscle mass actually went up. Wow. With my fat dropping and my weight dropping. That's incredible. And that's, and that's completely... So it's like, how vegan. can you... What can you, you say can't to argue that? It's, it's, that. Proof, yeah. it's proof in the pudding that it's not, it's not just not just in opinions about right. animals, animal rights. Yeah. It's like actually working better for my body. 
that's know, the best thing that ever happened to veganism is the health benefits and the environmental yeah. impact because honestly sadly nobody really like my, most people don't really care about the animals mm. which has always been my that's my, my number reasoning. one yeah mm. but now that it's actual personal when it comes to your health or yeah societal when it comes to the environment people are actually jumping on board which is fantastic because it yeah. just means more animals are going to be saved but mm-hmm. yeah it's so interesting because i think people think that if you don't eat meat you're just eating bread and chips and whatever and the biggest question is where do you get your protein 100 yeah. percent. i'm like when's the last time i ever heard of somebody dying of a protein deficiency it like happen. i've never in my life had to worry about protein yeah and, and on the flip side like okay where yeah you're getting a lot of protein but where are you getting your iron where are you getting your b12 where are you getting your calcium right. where are you getting your you know all yeah. these things there's so much more to like a, a functioning body than protein. Yeah. But the milk and dairy industry, holy moly, they've done an incredible job at brainwashing society to believe that <laughs> all we need to survive is protein and calcium, right? Yeah. Drink your glass of milk and you're good to go. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I what I love about you is is how passionate you are about the things that you're committed to. Like that is such... It, like, is that one of your strengths or is it just an observation? Like, tell me some of your your strengths. In- or has it been a practice yeah. you've built? Mm. Like almost like a, like a personality trait that has emerged. I'm very stubborn okay. and I'm very headstrong. So when I believe in something and when I wrap my head around something, it's balls to the walls. I don't yeah. know if I'm allowed to say that kind oh, of yeah, language, but <laughs> it's 100%. And there's no, sometimes, yeah, you say it's a strength. It also can be a weakness because... I, I'm not here to listen to your side of the story. Like I mm-hmm. believe my way is the highway and I'm very headstrong on those beliefs. Um, but I think also does come from practice and experience. Like I haven't always had the confidence to mm. speak in this manner and to be mm. so strong on my values, which I think comes with age and 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 just life experience, right? Because yeah. you just, you no longer want to be quiet on the things that you care about. And, right? and your perspective grows as you age. Your you know, perspective you kind of... grows. And also- when you're in a lane, you start to attract more people that are also in that lane. Mm-hmm. And so I have more and more armor. Like my Instagram feed is probably 90% vegans, right? So I'm getting hit every single day with facts and support and this. And that just makes my beliefs even more compelling and stronger. So it just, it yeah. really like... Fuels the fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what tips would you give to entrepreneurs that have a dream of making their own vegan line or, or running a charity or, or just start, business in general. Start, yeah. Start. Just start. Okay. Start. One foot forward. You don't have to, I think there's, you know, another meme or something about the staircase. Like yeah. you don't have to climb the so entire, just yeah. take the first step. Sometimes most people, I've heard these quotes too. It's like, nobody knows what they're doing. Like most people have no idea how to, we had no idea how to send a container full of used goods to a third world country. Wow. Like export and import the container. Like we, like if we knew that we were going to be doing that, we probably would have never started in the first place, right? Yeah. Because it would have been so overwhelming. But we knew we could collect one pair of gently yeah. used shoes that we could probably figure out a way to get one pair to the Dominican Republic with my vegan shoe line. I'm like, there's a hundred, like thousands of shoe companies out there. So Clearly, this is not something that is that revolutionary that hasn't been done before. So if thousands of people have been able to create and manufacture a pair of shoes, then why can't I figure out how to do that? Like I have, especially in the world today where we have all the resources at our hands, but like you have to take the first step. And I was guilty of that. Like I said, I spent three years with this idea, Mm. talking to a few close people in my circle until it was like, okay, am I going to like 
shit or get off pot, right? Yeah. Like it's like you got to make it perfect in your head. Yeah, like don't even, yeah. start. Start with the very first thing, whether it's research, getting some armor under your belt, and tell somebody. I would say at least tell five people because people mm-hmm. are so secretive. They don't want to like mm-hmm. share what they're doing in case a it doesn't happen, and then they look like a failure, or then they have to be accountable to it, right? Because mm-hmm. if I tell you I'm building this, like Lisa, our coach, is like. She's the one who really put it out there for me when we launched Burgundy. She was like, "Well, Desiree's the founder of this vegan fashion brand." I was like, "Whoa, snap! Like, okay, yeah, I guess I, uh, I guess Working I'm doing this that. now, yeah. right?" Well, so the cool thing is, from a perspective of someone who you know didn't know you that well, I, yeah. it did not even put up a mark in my mind. It's like, wow, she's yeah. the founder of a vegan brand. Like, yeah, it's it's that's real, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, so the, if the anybody, only, yeah, the the only the only misconception or things that are holding you back or what's in your own head, not the people you're telling. No. And so I'd say start, at least take, you know, the first one, two, three steps you can take and tell three, four, five people about it. Yeah. That's really... And don't get bogged down by the naysayers because pretty much everybody that you're, if you're not surrounded by the right people, everybody's going to tell you you're, it's not worth it. You're stupid. That'll never work. Who are you to think you can have your own vegan fashion line? Like, mm. what are you, native shoes? Yeah, maybe I am native shoes, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, two guys in Vancouver launched side-by-side super successful shoe companies. Why can't that be me? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. One of my favorite um, Michael Beckwith quotes is that mediocrity will always attack excellence. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you try and succeed People will say, oh, well, they lucked out. Exactly. Or try and fail. Ha ha. I told you so. I know. It doesn't matter. They're, they're going to talk if, about it. Yeah. You. Or if you're not doing anything at all, oh, they're lazy. Or if you're changing the world, oh, then there's something yeah. wrong with oh, you as well. Oh, yeah. They're just money hungry or they just yeah. want their I heard ego. that. I heard that yesterday on another Lewis Howes podcast I was listening to. It said, I would never take advice from someone who I wouldn't trade places with. Oh. I like so that. That's actually really a good keeper right there. Yeah. I like that. Unless you're somebody that's doing more than me, yeah. bigger than me, making more of an impact than me, mm-hmm. I'm never going to take your advice. Right. But, but they will often give it. They will. <laughs> right? Of course very they Very vocally. Will. Very like vocally. Like you said earlier, like, oh, you want to change the world and you think this is a bad idea? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that you said that if you didn't know, uh, if you knew how the shoes were going to go over there, you probably wouldn't have wouldn't have done it because I I feel like that's how Mike and I have also like founded our business like we had no idea what we were doing we just bought a microphone and a laptop and went in the closet and started and just started auditioning yeah so if I had known how hard the road would have been we probably would have been like discouraged almost so it's almost ignorance is almost bliss sometimes 100% even with your meditation instruction and teaching it was just like I'm inspired to make this meditation and put it on insight timer I don't know why I don't know what's going to come from it you know, it's it's just right. like something I want to do. Yeah. And you did it. And now it's built. And if I would have researched other teachers and... There's so many others. There's so many good ones that are so insightful and have... I wouldn't have put it up there. So it's all... I like that how... It, it's like a positive ignorance. Almost yeah. like yeah. a... Like a... Not, not getting not to even the technicality knowing, of it. It's totally positive ignorance because right. if you know how much work it's going to be, how big it's going to become, you'll never take that first step. Mm-hmm. But also you you can handle it. Like if yeah. but you've obviously handled it. So yeah. I think we're kind of the same in that way where we just yeah. like think big and, and jump and then figure it out. I'm I'm a bit of an an analyzer. So I will I will analyze it first before I jump. Like I'll yeah. jump with like my hand on the right. side of the pool. Yeah. You know, but that's why Which know, isn't a bad thing. Her. I think it's good that I partnered with Kelly as well because she's a little bit more of like the 
the cautious, realistic type of person. And mm-hmm. I'm just like the dream big, you know, visionary. Okay. Oh, yeah. we could do this. And she'll like bring me back down to earth. And so yeah. it's, it's a fine it's balance. A balance. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's just like, don't get paralyzed in that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it looks, the water's too deep. Like it looks too cold. I can't, I can't take that. I can't even put my like toes in the water. Right. But yeah. you, you have to. And it, it, it becomes kind of a spiritual journey because when you're trying things that you've never, that you're inspired to do that you've never done before, you, you find those limiting beliefs. And it, like, so not only are you creating an amazing, you know, product to help animals, to help the earth, mm-hmm. but you're also doing a lot of personal work and growth by finding, oh, like this, this is a boundary for me and, and working through things. So it's, it's like a double fold. Yes. Really I cool think there's no bigger self-development or spiritual journey than being an entrepreneur and, and deciding mm. to put yourself out there yeah. and, and launch and start a business. So yeah. yeah, if anyone out there is listening, I, I'm, I'm sure they're listening to other podcasts, but the How I Built This podcast, it, mm. the profiling of all these mega brands, because they all started somewhere. Like I listened the other day to the one on Angie's Boom Chicka Pop. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. The Yummy. popcorn. And it was like started <laughs> off with like, they just bought you know, that the popcorn machine and they were selling outside of the grocery store and wow. they were just trying to like make a little bit of extra money to say, help save for their kids and education. <laughs> and it was a small investment into this popcorn machine. Um, and then one thing led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And now they're like in this Costco. big mega That's brand Friday in Costco. Night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if they, if they would have known, you know, that yeah. it's going to be this big mega brand, I don't know that they would have even invested in that original you know, Colonel Poppin machine. And yeah. or, or compared, like there's popcorn brands out there. Yeah. What makes us different. Right. Exactly. They would be like, we can never compete in this market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, she, I think she was a nurse or a teacher, maybe a teacher. And she would literally see like students or like families outside of the grocery store. And they were like, look down on her. Like, what are you oh. doing selling popcorn? Oh. Like, you know, and. Like you have a job. I, like, yeah. Right. And it was, I'm sure like super embarrassing. And yeah. now it's like. <laughs> she got the last laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're not working and, and you know, saving the world and starting fashion brands, what do you do for self-care and downtime? I was going to say for fun too, but I guess we can get to that. Yeah. My fun is my downtime, I think. Uh, I am such an advocate of blank space on my calendar. Mm. So that is what I really need is I need to have enough downtime. So in my personal time, in my downtime, I'm listening to these podcasts I'm reading books. I'm meditating. Mm. uh, I'm working out. I love to go to this infrared hot yoga studio called Oxygen. And, or I'm hanging out with friends and just doing really dumb stuff like watching The Bachelor. Yeah. (laughs) That's like my little, like, I don't drink. I don't do alcohol. I don't eat meat. So it's like, you get one. (laughs) I get my one little, like, guilty pleasure is just being a completely terrible human and making fun of everybody on the show with my best friends <laughs> we're big housewives advocates and survivor, and survivor. And survivor. oh i got yeah. back into survivor the last couple of years so did we just yeah. just recently oh i'm excited for this season of all stars with, yeah. with rob and amber and the crew yeah. bring, back, bring back some memories with all the champs i know yeah we can't wait <laughs> we'll so, be having we'll be having some angie's pop boom chicka pop yes yeah at the time. yeah <laughs> so what has been your biggest life lesson or business lesson that you've learned on this journey I think the business, the biggest lesson is just going back to earlier about the business plan, because I'm such a business person, is really like qualifying people and knowing like where to invest your time and where to not invest your time, because there's a lot of people who will waste your time 
And I think that it's really figuring out, you know, who's actually going to buy your product, who's going to donate to your cause, who's going to be there to support you and who just wants to use your time. And so for make me, busy conversations. Yeah. Make busy yeah. conversations. So my, my, my word for this year is intention. And mm. um, my biggest lesson is to always really find out what my intention is and what the other person's intentions is. Cause now that I'm getting more and more things on the go, really have to be so mindful with my time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other excuse that people make when they don't start a business. Like I don't have any time and Mm -hmm. and everybody has the same amount of time. It's just how do you prioritize your time? And that's been the biggest lesson I've learned of being an entrepreneur over the last 12 years, I guess, is really how to manage your time and prioritize where you should be spending your time, like the 80-20 rule and um, what's giving you the biggest return for your lowest right. investment of time. Yeah. That can apply to not just business things too, like just oh, spending yeah. time with people who are kind of draining, Absolutely. so to speak. And, mm. and that's not to say, that, you know, that's not a good friendship that you can maintain, but, you know, you only have so much time, so you want to spend it in an elevated state with people that are making you step up on your toes, not necessarily dragging you down. So yeah, yeah, there's a big movement in the spirituality world of, you know, like really doing an inventory of your friendships and who you're spending time with. And again, it's like you have one go around on this planet. Like I want every minute of my day to be spent with people that can uplift me and that I care about and that add value. And so, yeah, you have to, Heather White said, you know, you're in charge. Like you are in charge of your life. You're mm-hmm. in charge of how you spend your life. You're in charge of who you spend your life with. And I think that is as you get older again, you can see decreasing amount of time in your future and it just becomes mm. so much more valuable. And and the other thing I'll just reiterate is like taking risks. So you, yeah. there's no reward without a risk. Like there's, I would say, you know, unless maybe people who won the lottery, but any actor you see, any celebrity you see, and maybe the other, other some that got lucky, but I would say 99% of them, mm. there's like 10,000 hours of work before they landed that big right. deal. And you don't see all the behind the scenes. You just yeah. see like the wins. And yeah. so you have to, the biggest lesson is just like always taking the risk and always getting back on, up on your feet when you get like hit down or when you fail or whatever. Sarah Blakely, yeah. the best thing about her is that her dad every day at dinner, tell me how you failed today. Yeah. Like what was your, We're it was like that. proud yeah. to like tell me your best failure of the day. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that I is know. like. Like imagine the type of human you become when from five to 15 years old, every single day you're sharing your biggest failure. And it's okay to fail you. It's, it's not, it's not an end. It's a, it's a shift. It's a, it's a lesson. Yeah. You know, failure is not like bad. No. You know, it's a good thing. Yeah. And and to get that in mind. Totally. I, I think that's just, you're just so inspiring, Desiree. Like you're (laughs) on this, on this next level that I just admire so much. Uh, Just a couple more questions. And, um, this one I would love for to hear is what makes you happy? <laughs> I know this we can kind be of like anything. Yeah. Anything at all. Honestly, it's kind of like I thought about this and to me like there's two different things like happiness versus joy. So mm. for me like joy is like an innate fundamental baseline of happiness. So I'm always completely full of joy because I've learned that all the love that I need can be found within myself. And when I connect to myself and I connect to spirit and source, I can be nothing but but full of joy. So happiness is like this barometer, like temperature, like you can be hot or cold depending on the temperature. Mm. And happiness is like based on like external factors, like you had a bad sleep or you get you get the wrong meal at you get your own drink at Starbucks and you're like, eh, whatever, right? Or I get the right me- right drink and it's like extra hot, like I like it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm so happy, right? <laughs> so the things that make me happy, like country music, when I put on Kenny Chesney, 
I'm like singing in my car, Celine Dion, ballads, uh, music for sure is one of the things that makes me happy. Um, my good friends, um, I've mentioned Kelly several times. She makes me happy when I spend time with her and her little dog. She's got two uh, half pugs and <laughs> one, they just have, we the, have a half pug. the best personalities. <laughs> yeah. So they make me happy. My family, spending time. I think, yeah, like inspiration, awesome. having conversations like this. That makes me happy. Getting a really good night's sleep. That makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. I'm a really yeah. good sleeper. So if I don't get a good night's sleep, that lowers my barometer of happiness. And I'm like, eh. Yeah. yeah. Grumpy today, kind of, yeah. or on edge, you know? Right. Yeah. So I love how in tune you are with your spirituality. Do you have any advice for someone who is, like I've uploaded meditations and even just yesterday, someone said, this was the first meditation I've ever done. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah. So there's so many people that are just getting into meditation and spirituality. Yeah. What do you have any like first steps? Because you seem so, you know, um, composed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's a journey. I would I recommend reading. So the mm. two books that I read that really sparked it. I, I was going through a bad breakup, and I think those are the moments where like really break you open. Mm. And um, uh, the book I read, which sounds so cliche, but it's called The Wisdom of a Broken Heart. And the fundamental of that book is really talking about how, you know, we're, we're searching for, for love and everything, happiness externally. And when you are broken, you have nowhere to go but inside. Right. And so that book really just like opened my eyes to like, I'm a whole person. I'm a whole being. Everything I need is within myself. And it just totally connected me to like my spirituality. Wow. So uh, reading that book. And then there's another book that I read called The Path to Love by Deepak Chopra. Uh, and I just read like uh, Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, yeah. um, you know, The Untethered Soul. That's I read one. all of like Lisa mentioned this morning, I, I run a mindful book club. So we're always consuming the best content. Now I'm on, I'm on like the next level, which is Dr. Joe and, you know, programming yeah. your mind and your, and your mind, Dr. He's Joe really Dispenza. That. All over that. Yeah. That is so Yeah. Cool. Becoming supernatural. So I think it's consuming content for me is what's really helped me. That's uh, your book club sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do I sign up for this? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And is there anything that, um, so you have the secondary school coming yes. up for Ruben Shoes and when is that? So yes, we're raising the final $95,000 to complete the build of our school and hopefully have the grand opening for this August. So if you feel wow. compelled and inspired to be a part of this legacy project, rubenshoes.com and uh, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, we're uh, our Ruben's Ruckus for people that are in the Lower Mainland, Coquitlam area. It's a mini Tough Mudder for kids ages 6 to 13. We have to do it. It's oh, yeah. 12 obstacles all around Lafarge Lake, Coquitlam Town Center. Oh, cool. And we feature a kid's rock band, Hicklestock, and 7-Eleven <laughs> um, Slurpee truck. And we have, yeah. When is it? It's May 9th, Saturday, May 9th. Okay. Day before your birthday. Yeah, day before my birthday. We will absolutely be there. Mike, well, Beck would love that. Trace would too, but he's not six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a guideline. So yeah. Okay. If they're, we just don't want tall 13 year olds smashing over like little tiny five year olds, but you know, <laughs> right. it's, it's a guideline. So okay. yeah, if you think that your little five year old is. Oh, he would love it. Is yeah. is into it? Then wouldn't it be cool if Ruben could come? Absolutely. Is yeah. that an has option? He ever, has he ever come to Canada? He hasn't been to Canada. It is uh, that's one of the things you know taking for granted as a Canadian. We have a passport that enables us to travel anywhere. And for people in developing countries and other countries, it's not easy for them to travel. They can't just pick up and go to any country they mm. want to, right? And so um, there is like a, a process to get him uh, to Canada, but 
that is absolutely one of our major goals uh, with Ruben Shoe Society is, of course, everything's been inspired by Ruben. So take care of him. Yeah. Um, if he wants to, if he wants to pursue education in Canada, Kelly would more than happy host him in her home and we wow. would find a way to to put him into school. And I'm sure there's so many companies here that would also hire him. So oh, yeah. he's getting to that age now where it's becoming real and that wow. could happen. And so... Or even just, yeah, as an ambassador and be the face of Ruben Shoes, right? Yeah. So, That's yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I'm excited to see what the next couple of years for for his journey, yeah. how that goes too. And yeah. His, his brother as well. He has a brother that's that we've met several times and who's really interested in in, uh, in coming to Canada. So they want so, to? Do they yeah. go? They do. They do, yeah. And I think that they would be a good fit to come together. So Do you keep tabs on it on the website, on RubenShoes.com? We don't keep tabs on it just because... From the very beginning, it was like inspired by him and we've tried to keep up with him. One of our board members and mentors from a very early age was like, if you're so attached to Ruben, like what happens if he kind of goes off the rails, you know, and, 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 right. and like, you know, like, you're, like your, our whole brand is based around this one, this one person. So Ruben is now more representative of, of the 60 million kids around the world who are not in school, you know, all the impoverished children. So um, not just him, not just him. And now that he's 18 too, yeah. right? Like he doesn't look like he's like a grown man. Wow. Right? <laughs> so, but here and there on, on either mine or Kelly's or our Ruben shoes, social media, we'll, we'll share some updates. And for sure, when she goes down to the Dominican, she's usually always, we usually treat him to, you know, a weekend in the resort. Actually, you know, what's funny is his brother works in a resort as a crepe maker and he had never, ever had a crepe. He's made thousands oh, wow. and thousands and thousands of crepes and never, ever got to enjoy one. And so when I was there in May, we brought them for a weekend and they stayed in the all-inclusive resort with, with us. And it was his first time eating crepes. And yeah, he... Uh, that's cool. He, he that must have just been, oh, he did. Yeah. Aww. I mean, well, it's just, like, we cried. We were yeah. just like, how is this possible? You know, like, I just, it's mind-blowing. But yeah. Yeah. So we really want to take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the work you do for yeah. planet Earth and thank you. Raising humanity. the vibration. Yeah. Raising the vibration and your line that's going to come out. It's yeah. incredible. I'm so, so, so grateful. Thank for your you. time, maybe just one last plug of where people can find you and, and your social media and stuff like that. Sure. Yes. Thank you for having me. My MO in life is to help raise the consciousness and the vibration of this planet. And I think people like you and us are doing that together. So I'm so happy to, to share with you. And yeah, find me. I'm Desiree Dupuis. D-U-P-U-I-S is my last name. I have my vegan brand is Desiree V. Dupuis. And Ruben Shoes is R-U-B-E-N-S Shoes. And it should be pretty easy to find. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So when your brand uh, when your uh, vegan brand yeah. launches, we should have you back again, and we can we can talk about Do an it. Update. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it will be hard to avoid. I think I'll be all over the internet. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. High five, girl. Yay. Thank, Thank you, you so so much. Yes. Thank you, Thank you so much. <laughs>